Uh, I want you to pray for Dale Meyer. Uh, I want you to pray for uh, Tommy Shelton. I'm going to ask you to pray for, uh, for Bubba Smith. I ask you to pray for, uh, oh, my goodness, I've got him on my heart and mind. Oh, Carl Cullum, pray for him. They're having a benefit Saturday for him. Raise some money for them. they got tremendous hospital bills. Pray for them as well. Uh, lift all these folks. Lift all those that are hurting in prayer. Uh, there's people that are grieving and lost loved ones. There's people that are going through sickness. There's all kinds of hurts. We need to lift people in prayer and ask God to comfort them and meet them in their need. All right, let's get into the message tonight while we've got the signal. Psalm 141, read to you tonight, verses 1 through 10, a psalm of David. I'm not going to stop. If the message breaks up, I'm just going to keep going. I've got it going simultaneously on Blog Talk Radio, so we're just going to have to roll with it. If we lose a signal, you can find us at blogtalkradio.com forward slash old paths broadcast. Blogtalkradio.com forward slash old paths broadcast. You can find us there if you lose us here. Psalm 141 tonight. Psalm of David. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and a lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked words with men that work iniquity. And let me not eat of their dainties. Let the righteous smite me, and it shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me, and it shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. When the ju- their judges are overthrown in stony places, they shall hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the grave's mouth as when one cutteth and cleaveth wood upon the earth. But mine eyes are not, my mine eyes are unto thee, O God the Lord. In thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares which have laid for me and the gins of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets whilst they, whilst that I withal escape. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word tonight. We're coming to you tonight from the carpenter shop. I don't think that's unusual. Jesus spent most of his time in a carpenter shop. So we're going to meet with we're going to meet with the Lord in the carpenter shop tonight. I think he'd be just fine with that. So anyway, we've already prayed. I prayed before we started tonight. So let's get into it tonight. Uh, tonight we're talking about we're talking about a man who won't compromise. Last Wednesday night, I know you probably you, you may not have tuned in, you may not have caught it, but last Wednesday night we talked in Psalm 140 on the poison of political correctness how political correctness strangles out the word of God because it's against everything God is for. And this psalm and that psalm are kind of are kind of hooked together. As a matter of fact, several of these psalms are hooked together. Psalm 140 through 143, they all flow together uh, as if they're all pieced together. But uh, one, of the most, one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult, of, of the disciplines of the Christian life struggle with my prayer life probably more than I do anything else in my Christian life. Uh, it's, just, it's just a discipline. It's just a, a, uh, a remembrance to go back to the place of prayer every time, to go back to the place of prayer, and, and we struggle with it. I don't know if you struggle with it, but pray for your preacher because I struggle with it. Um, but, but, and Jesus gave us a model for prayer in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. We can find that in Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. You can also find it in Luke 11, 2 through 4. But anyway, in Psalm 141, we find a prayer that David is praying, and he's praying. 
David is praying for sanctification and protection. He's asking the Lord for guidance and for deliverance as he seeks to live a life without compromise to the glory of God. What a, what a challenge that is to try to live in this day and time with, without compromise because everywhere we turn all around us, there are people asking us to compromise. There are people expecting us to compromise. You have uh, you have people all around us who are uh, they 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 preach they they're saying you know that that we're just intolerant we're intolerant yet they're the ones who are intolerant they want us to compromise and and give in to their whims uh, even though even though the things that they do they they the things go straight against God but they want us to compromise it's difficult not to compromise at the same time but God doesn't want us compromising. And again, like I said, David prayed for guidance and deliverance so as he seeks to live a life without compromise to the glory of God. And I was told when I went to Bible college to take my dictionary and cut the word compromise out of it because we're not to compromise as Christians. God should come first. What God said should be number one. It shouldn't matter. If man and what he dictates goes against what God's word says, then we are to go with God and tell man to go jump in the creek. But uh, anyway, let's get into it tonight because I'm afraid we're going to lose signal. Number one, the man who is who is trying to live without compromise, number one, he'll ask the Lord for help. He's going to ask the Lord for help. Verses one and two, we find that. He said, O Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste to come unto me. Give ear to my voice when I cry unto thee. Listen, a soul who is living without compromise, will immediately run to the Lord for help. He's not going to turn somewhere else for help. There's nowhere else to turn but to the Lord. Uh, Again, that soul who's living without compromise, who's not yielding to the world, who's not not, uh, uh, trying to straddle the fence of life, who's not trying to walk both sides, that soul who's trying to to live without compromise is going to run to the God to the Lord for help because because there's nowhere else to turn. He knows the Lord is the source of his help. He's not leaning on the world. He's not leaning on friends. He's not leaning on religion. He's leaning on the Lord. John six sixty eight. Simon Peter answers the Lord. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else. You are the only source of our help. Uh, in this psalm, David not only asked the Lord for help, but the Lord he asked the Lord to run to him. He did, and maybe he was trapped. I don't know if he was trapped or not, but, but but he says it there. He says, Lord, make haste unto me. Hurry, come on. Come to me, Lord. And maybe he was trapped. Verse 9 kind of hints at that. It says, keep me from the snares which they've laid for me and the gins, which are the baited hooks or the baited traps of the workers of iniquity that are trying to always snare me and try to keep me back and trying to uh, hold me back from, from your purpose for my life, Lord. So, uh, Again, he's asking the Lord to run to him. You know, when you ask the Lord for help, he, 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 he's calling on the Lord. He, he's directing his prayer. He's not just sitting around thinking about it. He's actually calling on him. Verse 1, he says, Lord, I cry. I cry unto thee. Amen? He, twice here, he says it again. He says, make haste unto me. Give ear to my voice when I cry unto thee. Twice. Two times. There's desperation in his voice as he asked the Lord. Look what he asked him. Make haste. Lord, please hurry. 
Hurry, Lord, hurry, please, I'm begging you. He says, give ear to my voice. Here, what's he saying? Hurry up, Lord, and hear me. He's calling on the Lord. There's nowhere else to go. He's calling on the one who can help. What I see in verse 2, I see not only to call on the Lord, but but to to worship the Lord. To worship the Lord. Verse 2, he says, let my prayer be set before thee as incense. And the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Worship the Lord. I'm telling you, that's something I think that we fall short on. We fall short on worshiping the Lord. I want to offer my prayer as as a sacrifice of incense. Incense is burned. Incense is a as a uh, aroma, a fragrance that sweet smelling. And and I want you to notice here. He, again, he's talking about worship, but he has urgency. Urgency is what he expressed before, and he's mixing urgency with his worship. Uh, the Lord he runs to in haste is the Lord that he worships when he gets there. He says, let my prayer be set forth as incense. That means let my prayer let my prayer be a sweet aroma and a pleasing offering unto you, Lord. Let it be a pleasing offering to you, Father. Uh, he, he said, the lifting up of his hands, the lifting up of his hands, we, we don't like to do this Baptists. We're scared somebody might think we're trying to get charismatic on them or something. We ought to be be free in the Lord. There ought to be liberty in the Lord. What nobody else is doing should should hinder us. We shouldn't be afraid of being associated with another denomination. We shouldn't be called charismatics if we lifting our hands and saying, praise the Lord and giving him glory that he deserves. You know, I read the other day somebody said, lifting up of your hands, in worship is nothing is no different than a child raising his hands to his parents to pick him up. We're raising our hands to the one that we count on, the one that we adore, the one that we that we hold in the first place in our mind. When you're a little child, that's your parents, that's your mommy, that's your daddy. And you'll go to them and say, Oh, oh, when you can't talk, oh, oh, you make noises, say, Please please pick me up. And God wants us to come to him, even if we don't have words to say. Even if our heart's hurting and our and tears are flowing and we don't know how to express ourselves the way we would just to come to him and raise our hands toward heaven and say, Oh Lord We just we just want to praise him for how good he is. Oh Father, thank you. Oh we don't have words sometimes. We just need to express our heart and pour our heart out to our Heavenly Father and just raise our hands in praise and let him know how much we love him and how much we adore him, and how good he is to us, and how much we thank him for being so good. Amen. It, it's, a dem- it's demonstrating us adoring him, and he deserves adoration because he's done everything for you. He's done everything for me. He, he, shed his, he shed the blood of his own son so that you and I could have eternal life, so that our sins could be washed away and we could be free and have liberty. God did that for you and I. And I, I'm telling you, we ought to adore him. We ought to praise him. We ought to feel free to give him glory. And who cares what anybody thinks if you do? I mean, what do they do for you? Let me ask you that. I want you, I want you to think for just a second. Of course, when I start talking about that, the devil wants to cut off the, the live feed, but that's all right. We'll get back to it. But, again, he, he's, he's running to God. He's running to God, and he wants it to be a sweet savor or a sweet fragrance before the Lord when he lifts up his praise to God. I tell you, we, we, we do God a disservice 
when we let man hinder us. You know, the Bible tells us to be not afraid of their faces. The Bible tells us that that, that, that we are to, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I mean, what are we doing? The Bible says the, the rocks had cried up the children of Israel, didn't Again, we ought to give him all our praise. We ought to give him all of the adoration that he deserves because he, he's earned it. He's earned it. And then he gives a reference to the evening sacrifice, and he says, you know, it, let me let me find it here. He says, in the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Uh, this was a prayer, an evening sacrifice. I mean, it's over in the evening. This may indicate maybe he was praying this prayer at night. Maybe Maybe he's preparing to go to bed. And so he's praying this prayer at night, and he's he's asking the Lord uh, for help. And maybe he's had a long, difficult day, and he's just asking God to help him. And uh, number two, he it says he'll ask the, the Lord for wisdom. He'll ask the Lord for wisdom, uh, verses 3 and through 4. It says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, and to practice wicked works with the men that work iniquity, and let not and let me not eat of their dainties. So he's asked the Lord for wisdom, and folks, I'm sorry, this thing keeps cutting out. I hope you'll stay with me, but and we'll try to. I hope you get as much of it. You get, you get something from this, but it's just technology just just uh, dumping on me tonight because we're so far out in the country and and all this precipitation and everything, but. Keep praying. Maybe it'll stay clear. But he's asking the Lord for wisdom. Uh, you know, James 1, 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Wisdom. We all need wisdom. If you don't have wisdom, you're in trouble. Wisdom is the ability to see life as God sees it, and then to respond as he would have you respond. That's wisdom. To know what he wants and to do what he wants. And, and until we're until we know what he wants and are doing what he wants, we're really not having and using wisdom. Um, but he says, give me wisdom in my words. Give me wisdom with my words. Psalm 141, verse 3, uh, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Uh, keep the door of my lips. He's saying, Lord, guard me. Guard my lips. Lord, my li- I, I, I'll make a mess with my mouth. He's, Lord, I don't want to compromise. I don't want to yield to this world. I don't want to. I don't want to talk like this world. I don't want to fall into its ways. And uh, so he's asking the Lord to guard his mouth and give him wisdom in how he speaks. James 3, a uh, very, very familiar passage of Scripture to me, he talks about the tongue. And, and again, he's asking to give him wisdom with his words and guard the door of his lips. Because the Bible tells us that, you know, we, we put bits in the horse's mouths so they'll obey us. And we turn their whole body. We also, he said, also ships, even though they're great, driven to fierce winds, they're turned about with a small helm or a rudder at the back. It's very small. Whithersoever the governor listens, wherever he wants to go, that's where that, wherever that uh, rudder or that, that helm turns, that's whichever way the ship goes. And he says, that even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, the Bible says, the whole world of iniquity. And so the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. So God is warning us about this dangerous tongue and all the damage that it can do. I like this verse down here, what it says. 
It says verse 10 of James chapter 1, uh, 3 rather, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. <laughs> so he's warning us against hypocrisy, against uh, saying one thing one minute and changing and saying something else. Well, what it cause you to do that? It's called compromise. You're letting the fear of man bring a snare. You're letting uh, worrying about what somebody else thinks cause you to dip your sails and uh, and let God down. So he's praying for wisdom with his words. He's praying for wisdom in his heart. In verse 4, he says, Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked words with the men that work iniquity. Let me not eat of their dangers. Incline not my heart. Uh, David knew, and we need to know, the deceptive power of our heart. Uh, you know, that, that, that wisdom, or what's called worldly, worldly wisdom, follow your heart. That's a lie of the pit of hell. The Bible says the heart's deceitfully wicked of above all things, and who can know it? So it's a foolish thing to follow your heart. Amen? We, you know, we need to, we need to, uh, we need to know that. And, and he's warning, he's warning against, against, he says, let me not eat of their dainties. And he's talking about somebody who's, uh, somebody who's got lots of money and lots of, uh, you know, they're able to buy all kinds of things. They're able to have fancy things that you're not able to have because, you know, we're not as wealthy as, as some. And, and Solomon talked about this. He said in, in um, chapter 23, 1 through 4, when thou sittest to eat with a ruler or a king, consider diligently what is what is before thee and put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. If you like to eat a lot, you better hold yourself back from eating the king's meal. He said, be not desirous of his dainties. This is things that you can't get everywhere and anywhere. Uh, he's talking about things that cost a lot of money, things that are hard to get. He said, they're deceitful meat. They're deceitful meat. They have you, you'll be chasing after the finest things of life. He said, labor's not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. If we're not careful, we'll get caught up in materialistic things, and we'll go chasing after all those things, and we'll miss out on the important things of life. Uh, he knew He knew we needed a spiritual heart transplant. That's what you need. You need to let God have your life. Turn it over to him. Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. And that's what David's talking about here as he, as he says, incline not my heart to do any evil thing. And, of course, God doesn't lead us into temptation, and God doesn't uh, take us into iniquity or incline us to do an evil thing. But he, it's, it's really praying, God, keep me from those things. Amen. Keep me from the, the evil thinking. And the way to do that is to have wisdom and to keep yourself from the, the, the uh, lusts of this world because the, when, when lust conceives, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings forth death, and the devil would, would destroy us if he got his hooks in us. David's praying for that to not happen. Verse, uh, I mean, let me see here. Verse 4 again, uh, the third thing he's asking for wisdom. He's saying, give me wisdom in my actions. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works. So he, with with men that work iniquity. So he's saying, Lord, please, Lord, please keep me away from evil things. He, he notes a connection between what he thinks and what he does. You hear me? There's a connection with what you think on and what you do. If my heart's leaning toward doing evil, if I if I'm thinking on it. Eventually, I'm going to do evil. If, if you know, I guarantee you, nobody just 
has an abortion. They're going to think about it a long time before they do. And if they're thinking that's the only way out, more times than not, that's what they'll end up doing. Uh, if somebody sitting thinks on cheating on their spouse, if they're thinking on it and thinking on it and thinking on it, eventually they're going to go ahead and do it. I'm telling you, whatever your heart's inclined to do, that's where you're going, that's where you're going to lean. So you need to guard your heart. You need to be careful and, and that we don't, he says, incline not my heart to any evil thing. So, Lord, keep me away from these things. Keep me away from the evil. And, uh, and Jesus reinforces this in Mark chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. He says, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemies, pride, foolishness, all these things come from within and defile the man. In other words, it all starts in the heart. It all starts in the heart. And I know we say, well, the heart is not the mind. We think with the mind. It couldn't start in the heart. But the, the heart is seen as the seat of the desires, where the desires come from. If you say somebody don't have the heart to do something, that means they don't have the desire to do it. So we're talking we're talking about again your heart being equated with desires. And if you don't have the heart for something, you just don't have the desire to do it. So he's saying here to guard his heart, incline not his heart. So all these things come from within, Jesus said. So it comes from the heart of man. Now number the fourth thing on here I see, he says, give me wisdom with his with his companions. In verse four again, he says. Incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity. All right? With men that work iniquity. A lot of times Satan tempts us to people we have, we run around with, our companions, people we spend time with. Uh, That's how he gets to us. He gets to us through those people. And David warns us against people that are evildoers, but their evil is is camouflaged with delicacies. Uh, You know, Again, like I, I just said before it cut out, said, you know, David's warning us against people that are evil doers, doers but their evil is camouflaged with delicacy. Uh, you know, when you think about the classic villain in the, like the James Bond movie or some kind of a movie like that where there's a villain who's in their lair and they've got, you know, they always got fancy stuff and a big table where they're eating fancy foods and, 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 and speaking all, all sophisticated like, that's where the devil comes at you. He'll try to come at you and woo you. He'll try to lure you in. He, he's not going to bully you around. He wants, to, he wants to lure you to get into it yourself. He wants to trap you. He wants to get you in somewhere where you shouldn't be. And then that's when he's going to that's when he's going to rake you over the coals. Uh, you know, those men who, who wicked men, evil men, they, they, they make their financial gain off, off of evil means. And once they've got their evil means, then they invest them in, in things that, that the, the, what they call the finer things of life. And I'm going to tell you something. We shouldn't, we shouldn't look at those things, and we shouldn't lust after the finer things of life that men who, who take advantage of others to have those things have. Because I tell you, the things that God has for us are so much better than anything that man could ever come up with. Number three tonight, I said the man who won't compromise, what will he ask for? He not only asks he not only asks for wisdom, he asks for the Lord for good friends. And we need good friends. Look at verse five. It says, Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness 
and let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. Good friends. Good friends. I thank God for good friends. I don't have a lot of good friends. I don't have a lot of friends. I have a lot of acquaintances, but I don't have a lot of good close friends. Uh, it's hard being a pastor when you're a pastor. You ask any pastor, they have a lot of friends. Most pastors don't have a lot of friends. Uh, and that's because, I, I, I don't know, I suppose it's, it's because people think, well, they're always judging you. That's not the case. Listen, we put on our pants the same way everybody else does. We just know the Lord, that's all. And uh matter of fact, pastor can be a good friend because he gives you some good advice from God. But uh, but good friends, let me say, number one, they're few in number. Good friends. Now, you can find friends. You can find fast friends. You can find people who will hang out with you, but you can't find good friends everywhere. Uh, you know the old saying, you can pick your friends and you can pick your, well, you know how it goes. But anyway, they're few in number. And uh, not only that, but they're very valuable beyond words. I, you know, my mother has a good friend, and uh, she's on here. She's not watching tonight, but she has a good friend named Amy. And Amy has just gone out of her way to be good to my mama. And uh, she doesn't owe my mama anything. She's just good to her. And Amy's younger than I am. But Amy has, uh, and Amy's got a good mama. It's not that she doesn't have a mother. Uh, she's got a good family. But she has just taken to my mother, and she's been so good to her. And, uh, and boy, what a value she has to her. She values her highly. And uh, I have some good friends, and I value them. I regard them very highly, very thankful for them. And, you know, good friends are essential. Good friends are essential to a consistent walk with God over a lifetime. You need good friends. Uh, you know, the Bible says a man that would have friends must show himself friendly. And so we need we need to, to pray. If you don't have a good Christian friend, I would urge you to pray for good Christian friends. Tell God what you need. God knows what you need, but you need to tell him. Uh, you know, because I tell you why you need good Christian friends, uh, my friends, it's because your friends are going to influence you. Whoever you're around is going to influence you. You can't help that. It's going to happen. There's no debate about it. Uh, you know, no question about that. You become what you're around most. So surround yourself with godly people. And so you'll it'll, it'll help you become godly. Uh, you need to, number one, let them rebuke you when you need it. Um, you say, rebuke me. That's correct me. When they, when you need it, you say, "My friends, yeah," because that's that's a, that's an act of faithfulness. And the Bible says it's, it's faithful, faithful to be to uh, faithful to be rebuked, and uh, we need that. Uh, you know, it's an act of somebody that truly cares about you and wants you to do well and be blessed, and that's why they're rebuking you because. If we're on the wrong road and, and someone who's walking with God can see that we're on the wrong road, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's only right for them to tell us, hey, I see you going astray and I don't want you to because you're my friend. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give you some correction so you get back to walking with God. So it's faithfulness for a friend to do that. You know, we talked in, the, in Psalm 140 about political correctness being poisoned. And it stops a lot of people from faithfully rebuking their friends when they see them going astray for fear of offending them. But the Bible tells us that that's not so. That's how the devil works. The devil wants you to be afraid of offending them. Uh, you know, not only let me rebuke, let them rebuke me when I need it, but he's saying let me receive it when they do it. Let me not get all up in arms if somebody rebukes me in the Lord. Uh, you know, 
How would we handle rebuke and correction? Well, I mean, it's not easy to receive rebuke. It's not easy to hear that you've done wrong and, and you're doing wrong. It's not easy for somebody to say, hey, here's what you need to do to get right with God. But, but you know, the way we look at it, even though they're rebuking us, we need to look at it as loving kindness. You know, they don't want to see us hurt. They don't want to see us out of God's will. We, we need to receive it as what it is. We need to, to look at it. We need to receive it as, 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 as an act of honor, an act of respect for them to love us enough in order to, to, uh, to rebuke us when we need it. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know, it sound right, doesn't it? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Why would that would that be? Well, we're thinking about somebody getting a whipping, okay? You know, say, boy, he's got some stripes on that leg. Well, it's, that's what it's referring to. Somebody uh, rebuking, being like spatting with that with that switch. Spat. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get out of God's will. Don't do that. That's rebuke. It's not literal switch, but it's the words which are like a switch, and 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 that's faithful. Because if they weren't faithful, they'd just let you go on and, and get out of God's will. And that's not, that's, not, that's not a friend at all, my friend. I'll tell you, that's why I tell you the truth on here. <clears throat> because I love you. And I want you to be successful as a Christian. I want you to have a good Christian life. I want God to bless you. And unless, you're, unless you are uh, told the truth, you're going to go off astray. Because it's, it's human will. It's human will and human nature to go astray. It's it's God's will that we walk with Him, but it's human nature to go our own way. And so you need somebody who will tell you the truth. You need a preacher who will tell you the truth out of the Word of God and do it in love. Uh, again, I'm not here to judge anybody or, or chastise anybody. I just want you to know the truth. But uh, but again, we're, we're we're to receive it. And number four, what will a, what will a man who won't compromise do? He'll ask the Lord for vindication. Verses five through seven. <clears throat> He says, let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer shall also be in their calamities. My prayer shall also be in their calamities. And he's saying, I'm praying for their calamity. That, that doesn't sound very nice, but that's exactly what he's saying. God, I'm praying for them to have a calamity. So he, he's doing what we call imprecatory prayer. We've talked about this before. This is where he's praying for God to judge his enemies. We talked about this last week. He talked about last week about uh, them falling into a deep, fiery pit and uh, and being burned up and never coming out of it. Again, here he's talking about he's talking about them being judged again. He's asking them to judge the works of the wicked in verse five through seven. He's praying continually against evil and those determined to do evil. He says in verse 5, he says there at the end, he says, for yet my prayer shall also be in the calamity. He's asking God to throw them off the side of a cliff. In verse 6, he said when their judges are overthrown in stony places, that's throwing them over a cliff, okay? Uh, he said they, they shall hear my words for they're sweet. He asked God to scatter their bones so they don't even get a decent burial. Look in verse 7, our bones are scattered at the grave's mouth as when one cutteth and cleaveth wood upon the earth. Just like somebody out there chopping firewood. He said, our bones just scattered everywhere. All right, and number number five. The man who's not willing to compromise, who will not compromise, he'll ask the Lord to protect him. Verses 8 through 10. Number one on this, I say we're to look to him in verse 8. 
He said, mine eyes are under thee, O God the King. I'm going to try to hurry because I'm afraid we're going to keep cutting out. He said, uh, my eyes are under thee, O God the Lord. David will keep his eyes on the king. He's not going to take his eyes off of God. He's going to strive to maintain a Godward, heavenly perspective in life and not focus on this earth and the things of this earth and get off kilter. Colossians 3, 1 through 4, he said, If you them and be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Not on things of the earth. Look heaven bound. Focus on the Lord. Ask the Lord. Trust the Lord for protection and help in your life. He said, For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. We're to look to him. We're to not to look around this world for hope. Here, there is no hope in this world. There's only hope in Christ. We're to flee to him. All right? Look, it says in verse 8, uh, in verse 8, it says, Mine eyes are unto thee, O Lord, O God the Lord, and thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. We've got to run to the Lord and take our refuge in him. Amen. In thee is my trust. That's what he's saying. He's my refuge. We're asking the Lord to not leave our soul destitute. He's literally saying, Lord, don't leave me to die. If my soul is my soul is destitute, then my soul has nowhere to go. That means my soul's out of my body. That means I'm dying. He said, Lord, don't leave us to die. We're to ask the Lord to keep us from the snares and the traps that are laid for us by the workers of evil, and they do. They'd love to stop us. They'd love to shut us up and make us never say nothing about God again. Verse 9, he said, keep me from the snares which they have laid for me and the gems of the workers of iniquity. Lord, please keep me safe, protect me. I, I pray that every day, and you ought to pray that every day. Uh, every night before I lay my little girl down, we, I hold her and we pray together, and I pray for protection over her and all of my family. I pray, I pray for that numerous times a day. Uh, God, please protect my family, protect our church, protect my friends, protect my loved ones, my acquaintances. Be with those who are hurting. Be with those that are grieving. Lord, please help us, keep us, protect us from those who would destroy us. Because, folks, we're we're counting the sheep of the slaughter. We're if it weren't for the Lord, if it weren't for His mercies, we'd be consumed. And, you know, He says, "I'm the Lord thy God; I change not." Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. If it weren't for the same. Lord of glory, watching over his church, we'd be gone too. Listen, we got to watch out for the traps because they're out there. The devil will use people to get to you. He'll use things. He'll use anything he can get. He'll, he'll use you against yourself. We need to be on guard and watchful, and we need to make sure we don't fall into the traps the devil sets. We need to pray. We need to pray that these that those that would come against us are ensnared in their own evil devices that they seek to come out against us with. You know, we've seen that time and time again. We've seen, we see that happen. When, and we've seen it happen with, uh, it's even happening now as, uh, you know, in politics. I'm not much in politics anymore, but, you know, I, I see where Hillary Clinton, you know, she was behind the whole Russia thing, and, and now the Durham reports come out and showing that she was the one who was literally, she, she was the one who was paying for it. And she was she was raking Trump over the coals, but she was the one actually paying for it. So she's a hypocrite, and uh, she and she was trying to destroy him before he got in office. And I, I'm telling you, 
There are people who would destroy you because they know who you belong to. And I'm not trying to associate anybody with Trump. I'm just simply saying they hate us because we serve the Lord. There are people who would shut you up if they could because they know you talk about Jesus, and they don't like that. Listen, there there are people there are people out there who hate the, anybody having the Bible, reading the Bible, talking about God. It irritates them. And uh, listen, and 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 while I want them all to get saved, I want them all to get saved. There are those who hate God who will never love Him and never never want anything to do with Him, and they're going to do nothing but try to cause problems for the people of God. And God knows who they are. We don't necessarily know who they are, but God knows who they are. We can see some of them out there in the world by their fruits, but there are people around us we don't even know about. And, and God knows who they are, so we need to pray, God, Lord, you, you take care of them. You, you, you cause them to fall in by their own devices, fall into their own net. Let me say in conclusion tonight that, that the man who will not compromise, oh, I want to be one of those. Don't you? I want to be somebody who will not compromise. That's an incredible person. Uh, you know, I don't know that I've ever met anybody who 100% completely fulfills the picture that we see here in Psalm 141 and will not compromise. Uh, you know, I grew up thinking my grandpa was the greatest man uh, in, in the world, and he's one of the finest I ever met. But yet I saw some, him do some things when I got older that let me down and, and caused me to be disappointed a little bit in him. That nobody's perfect, uh, nobody, and uh, you know even the finest men uh, fall down every now and then. But I'm going to tell you something. There's one who will not compromise. I, I look at Jesus and I see such a man. Jesus never compromised. Uh, you know here 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 I find a man who in times of trouble he asked the Lord for help. Uh, in times of trouble. Ask the Lord for wisdom. A man who, in times of trouble, asks the Lord for good friends. In times of trouble, ask the Lord to vindicate him. In times of trouble, ask the Lord for protection. Now, isn't that isn't that different from what most people in the world do? You know, most people, when trouble comes, they try to figure it out themselves instead of asking the Lord for help. They'll 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 exhaust every possible resource before finally turning to God and saying, God, I guess I'll have to ask you for help. We ought to go to him first. Again, we ought to go to him for wisdom, not seek wisdom uh, from friends and family and everybody else first, but go to the Lord's word. Go to the go to the Bible. Seek out help. Go to Christian friends and ask them to point you in Scripture to where God would give you some advice. Don't turn to man's advice. Turn to the word of God. For wisdom. That's where wisdom comes from. There is no wisdom outside God's word. And then, again, asking the Lord for good friends. A lot of people, just they're just looking for somebody who's on their level. You know the old expression, misery loves company. That's, that's why people go to the bars, because they find people who are miserable just like they are, and they can sit and talk about who's most miserable. Uh, you know, when we go to we go. To, when we go to the Lord, we find a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We find an intercessor who, who's touched with every point like as we are, yet without sin, who can help us, who can who can uh, come to us in our situation and help us no matter what we face. We have a good friend. We have a good friend who can vindicate us. 
Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. He'll, he'll fix it. If you'll turn it over to him, he'll fix it. Uh, God, he might not fix it in your time. He might not fix it exactly when you want it fixed, but I promise you he'll fix your problem. Uh, that's what he does. You know, I mean, we can't ask him for anything that's too hard for him. But I, I rest on that because I have I have unsolved issues in my own life. I have unsolved uh, issues with some people that I love. That uh, you know, there's just things in the way. We can't we can't fellowship right now, and it hurts my heart because I love them dearly and I want to be with them. But you know, God's going to have to work all those things out. And uh, so I just pray that uh, you, if you've got issues like that in your own life, if you've got people that you love dearly, but but uh, sin has separated you, uh, some uh, just issues of life, and you don't know how to fix it, take it to God. Take it to God and pray, God, please restore that friendship. Please restore that fellowship. Please restore that family member. Please work that out. God's the only one that can. Turn it over to him, my friends. Let him help you. You know, the man that wouldn't compromise, he asked the Lord for vindication. Again, we don't try to take matters into our own hands. We don't try to fight our own battles. God's, God's the one who fights our battles. Uh, you know, judgment is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, his name is vengeance, not ours. He, he'll, he'll take vengeance, not us. Uh, it's not for us to do. God is our vengeance. Uh, and then lastly, he asks the Lord for protection. And and we need that. You know, I I lock all my doors every night, don't you? Uh, you know, I've got I've got guns all over the house in different places. And I, I know that if I hear a noise at night, if I can get up within a few seconds, I can have a... a, a you know, a, a, either a pistol or a rifle in my hand, and I can defend myself, my family, and my home against an invasion. But, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to squeeze the trigger on anybody. That'd be the worst thing that could happen in my life. I think I, I just I, I couldn't imagine having to having to take some of life to protect my own or my own families. But you know, I'd do it. But I'd rather God just take care of me. You know, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you rather not have to ever be faced with that kind of situation? I'm trusting God, so. You know, more than I trust those bullets and those guns, I trust those prayers that I pray. And I believe that God hears me, and I'm trusting him to protect me and take care of me and guide me through life and keep me safe from all those who would come against me. I don't always see everything happening exactly the way I want to, but that doesn't mean I don't trust God. I trust him when I can't see him as well as when I can see him at work. I know that he works for my good, and oftentimes I can't see it happening as it takes place I just have to trust him. But most of all, I have to remember not to compromise. You know, God, Christ Jesus is a man who would not compromise. Jesus is our perfect example of not compromising. He stood against attacks constantly. He stood against those who hated him, who wanted him dead, and he did it day in and day out, day in and day out. When faced with questions, when faced with those who mocked him, when faced with those who tried to uh, uh snare him, you know, they they tried their best to to, to try to uh, to try and trap him to keep to uh, catch him in his words to prove him out to be alive, but they never could. This is Jesus. This is who I serve. This is my master. This is my Lord. Uh, he enables us to live as we ought to live. I can't do it. You can't do it. There's none of us who can. And don't we get so discouraged when we spend a season of time? trying to please God in our strength, and we didn't realize we were doing it in our strength, and then we get disgusted, and we can't we can't figure it out, and we finally hit our knees, and we get before God, and it's there that we realize that it was us, and it wasn't really God working at all. It was us trying to do it, 
and then we yield to him and he begins to work in our lives. That's what he wants to do. Listen, here's the God that we honor. Here's the God that we worship. Here's the God that we run to. That we can that, that we run to him, we worship him, and we honor him. We yield to him so that we can live a life that's without compromise. That's what I want. Amen. That's what I want for you. Whether you're a member of Temple Baptist Church or whether you're just watching tonight, it doesn't matter. I want you to know Christ in his fullness. I want you to understand something tonight. <clears throat> I know there may be people who watch this. I see the ones that are watching. Your names are on the screen. But I want you to know there will be people who watch this later. And I want to say to you, if you watched this far, I want to thank you for watching this far. But I want to say to you before we go, listen, I, I'm not judging you, but I'm here to tell you the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Amen. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. Amen. Listen, but I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. If you and I get what we deserve because we've sinned, we'll go to hell forever. We'll spend eternity in hell. But the Bible doesn't, God doesn't want that. And he tells, he tells us in his word, the wages of sin is death. What we've earned, what we rightfully have earned and deserve is, is to go to hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want you to understand that Jesus Christ came to this earth from heaven, sent by God, the Son of God, and he was he was born into the body of a woman. He had a natural birth on this earth. Even though he was God inside, he was man outside, very God, very man. He walked on this earth 33 years. He never sinned, not one time. He was perfectly innocent, kept the law in every manner, pleased God in every way. He was righteous. Righteous, righteous, and yet they put him on a cross and crucified him, and he's the Savior of mankind. He was shedding his blood for every single human being that ever lived and ever will live. So if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you're not sure if you died today that you'd go to heaven, I want you to understand that there's a, there's a door. There's a door that everyone who goes to the Father must enter in, and that door is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the door in Revelation. He says in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the only way. And if you'll come to him believing that he died on the cross, according to the Scripture, shed his blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. He's the only way of salvation. There's no salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But if we'll come to him confessing our sins, asking God to wash us in that blood of his precious son, wash our sins clean away, he'll do it. If we'll believe that he was buried, but he rose from the grave according to the scriptures, just like, just like the Bible said he would. If we'll believe that, the Bible says if we'll come to him, confessing our sins, trusting him, believing on him, he'll give unto us eternal life. And if you'll ask him tonight to save your soul, he'll save you. Listen, you say, how do I do that, preacher? I don't know how to do that. What, what words do I have to say? Let me give you some good news. You don't have to say the exact perfect words because there's no perfect words. It's believing on Jesus. Can I tell you tonight that I believe in Jesus before I believe on Jesus? I sat in Sunday school class as a little six-year-old boy hearing about Jesus, and I believed that he was real. I believed that he died on a cross. I believed that he was buried and rose from the grave. I believed it in my head. I had heard it all my life. I believed the Bible was the Word of God. I believed there was a God in heaven. I knew those things to be true. But let me tell you what I didn't do. I hadn't believed it for myself in my own heart that he died for me. I believed that he died, but not for me. 
But let me tell you, on November the 1st, 1975, I was under conviction. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I was lost. I, I, could, I could hear the fire of hell burning, cracking in the back of my mind. I knew that I was going to go to hell if I died without, without being saved. And that night, my mother shared with me the plan of salvation, how Jesus had done everything necessary, and that by believing on him and trusting him, I could have eternal life. So I believed on him that night. Just the difference between this chair that I'm sitting on right now, before I sat in it, I said, you know, I believed it was a chair, but when I believed on it is when I put my weight on it. And I put all my weight on it. Right now my feet are off the floor. All my weight is on this chair, and I'm, I'm believing on it. I'm trusting on it, depending on it, relying on it to, to keep me off the floor. And I'm depending on Jesus, trusting on Jesus and relying on Jesus to take me to heaven have my sins washed away in his blood and keep me out of hell. Take me to heaven and give me an eternal eternal home with him someday. I'm trusting and believing on him for that. And I have eternal life because of it. And you can too. I, I'm no different, no more special than anybody listening on this internet tonight. I'm telling you tonight, we can have eternal life in Jesus Christ only by believing on him and trusting on him. Go to him in prayer and say, Lord, I know that you died to save me, and I'm trusting you to do that. I'm believing tonight, and I want you to save me. And he'll save you just like that. Now, if you do that and you get saved, you need a church home. And I urge you to come to Temple Baptist. We'll tell you the truth. We'll love you, and we'll, we'll encourage you and help you walk with Jesus. But if you can't get to Clarksville, Texas, find you a good church somewhere. Look and find it. Search for somewhere that preaches the old Word of God, the King James Bible. Get the truth. Don't settle for a counterfeit or some modern something. Get the real stuff and find a preacher who will preach it right. Amen. If you can't find one, we're broadcasting all the time. Tune in and listen to us. We'll give you the truth. I love you. Thank you for watching tonight. I see so many that tuned in. Our church family tuned in. I see my friend Dean Yusey's tuned in to hear us tonight. Linda Strickland, I see you there. I see some others I can't see. I got a piece of tape over it. I can't see all the names holding it up. But uh, anyway, Scott, good to see you tonight, Scott. God bless you, brother. Hope you're feeling better. Dan, uh, I see Anya's watching. Just want you to know, Dan, we're praying for you to get well, brother. Praying for you to feel better. And uh, and Erica, we're praying for your mom and uh, and, and all those others that are listening. Listen, uh, Tommy Shelton, praying for you tonight, brother. Uh, uh, Dean, uh, Dale Meyer, praying for you. Carl Cullum, praying for you. Uh, there's so many people that are sick, so many people that are going through so much, and we just we need to lift them up in prayer. We need to ask God to be merciful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight before we dismiss, and we're going to ask the Lord to bless you. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you tonight. Thank you for my friend who's listening. Lord, you know who I'm talking to. Lord, I'm praying for them. I'm asking you, Lord, to touch their life and bless them. Make your presence very real in their life tonight. Father, I pray, Lord, you'll use the message. Lord, draw us to the understanding that, Lord, you have everything we need. And, Lord, you can keep us. You can protect us in this old world. Lord, you can keep us from compromise. Lord, you can keep us from the wickedness of this world. Lord, if we'll just put our faith in you, if we'll keep our eyes on you, trust in you even in times of trouble and distress, Father God, I pray that we not turn to this world for our comfort and our help, but, Lord, that we'll turn to you always. Father, thank you for the word of God. Lord, I pray, Father, for each one in their situation. I pray, Lord, you meet them right where the need is. Lord, you lift them up above it. And, Lord, I pray, Father, you get the glory from their life. 
Father, I thank you tonight for my church. I thank you, Lord, for allowing me to pastor Temple Baptist. And, Lord, I pray for this Sunday. I pray for Leo Lytle as he prepares to come be with us. What a tremendous man of God you've got there, Father. And I pray your blessing be upon him. Bless each one that comes in contact with him this week. Lord God, we just pray now that you'll bless us and keep us safe. Father, thank you for those who watch tonight. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus. We ask it, Lord, in the name that's above every name. Father, we thank you. You're so good. Lord God, even though we lost our signal, Father, I I don't know when we lost it, but Lord, I know that those on blog talk are hearing me. Father, I just pray, Lord, you bless them. Lord, we just just pray you give us a good day Sunday. And we just thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do. Lord, just be with everyone tonight as we leave them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Sorry for the trouble tonight. I hope you got something out of it. Hope the Lord spoke to you tonight, and uh, looking forward to Sunday. Hope you'll hopefully we'll see you there, and uh, this will be on later. You can go back and watch it later, and hopefully you will if you missed some of it. Hannah, good to see you. You came in at the tail end, but girl, go back to the first and watch it. It's good stuff, uh, and we'll see y'all later. Have a good night, and God bless you. <laughs>